Omenjiko, and welcome to the Voices of Regen podcast, a space for unapologetically bold conversations around regeneration. Today, I'm joined by uh, Pedro Tarak, uh, an incredible systems change uh, leader who is based in Argentina, in Buenos Aires, and uh, who's been a collaborator with Regeneration Projects on an initiative which is looking at international impact trade and the, the potential for regions to be able to work together to address social, environmental, cultural, economic issues uh, in their regions and to support not just on the regeneration and the exchange between individual organisations, but to work at that broader regional, um, even bioregional uh, bio uh, level. Before we begin, we'd just like to take a moment to acknowledge all of the First Nations people that are connected to the places uh, where we're coming from. So for me, uh, in uh, Melbourne, Australia, that is the Boomerang people of the Eastern Kulin Nation, and in particular, the Mayon Baluk clan. Um, we acknowledge that their, their systems and trade and, and the paths of migration that have uh, created space for many kinds of people of diverse backgrounds um, are a way of uh, us all finding uh, ways of, of living in closer harmony with our, our planet and each other. Pedro, um, thank you so much for, for stepping into the conversation and, and it's, it's going to be great to un, unpack some of this collaboration that we've, um, we've been working on together. I will just acknowledge um, before I pass across to you for a, a bit of an introduction about your work generally and about your passions generally, just to acknowledge that this conversation is part of a broader series where we're featuring uh, the Earth Shots. And for those that would like to find out more about that, you can see um, the suggested uh, link in the, the description. But we're focusing or linking this conversation somewhat loosely to the notion of building a waste-free world. And that links specifically to an international impact trade roundtable that was held between uh, impact leaders in Melbourne and Mendoza in Argentina on the themes of water, wine, and waste. Pedro, thanks so much. And over to you for a bit of a, a taste of some of the amazing work that you do. Well, thank you very, very, very much, Matt. Um, um, let's, let's see. Um, if you look into uh, the acupuncture points of, of, of the shifts that we need to actually go into a circular economy at the very local, but also at the global level. Um, uh, basically, you look into two main universes of, of, of uh, players. One, business, and in, you look into the DNA of business to see if business has elevated its purpose to become a key player to solve the kind of problems that we're speaking about. So business is one of those key universes. The other universe where we look into is, uh, is how we actually engage in trade or, ex or exchanges. You see, if we think about a very simple reality, you know, after family, the largest number of organizations are business, but also at a daily basis, the most numerous of all automatic pilot uh, decisions are of commercial nature. So these are the two universes where one can say, hey, how do we actually um, minimize waste? And waste actually, how does it become a resource for the economy, but also for, for the planet? I mean, it's how we actually have a circular uh, 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 a circularity into our economy, right? So you just recalled the, the event that we had between uh, some friends in Melbourne and some friends in Mendoza. You know, there's, there's like an intuition that perhaps together uh, these two groups or these two regions can complement each other thanks to some commonalities, but also thanks to uh, 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 shared ambition. One, at least this is what I could see, Matt, uh, by by, you know, having that conversation on both with both sides, is that 
Well, we do have competing, commercially competing players, you know, like uh, wine producers, uh, perhaps IT in both regions, right? Um, another thing is Australia and Argentina with, with meat and wool and so on. However, we, we basically found out that what we want to do among ourselves together was to create like a, a new development for the world, not only for ourselves, but of course, you know, sharing our own, you know, our own, uh, I would say, journeys. And, uh, and it was beautiful to see some wine producers from both sides, always dealing with water. And, but we also had some, in the case of Mendoza, I remember some, uh, well, a B Corp uh, owner who's specialized on uh, electronic waste uh, recycling. So, um, an export actually also of the kind of products that that, you know, that industry implies. And, and it was beautiful to see the kind of challenges they shared, but also the idea that um, if, we could build clusters of in the wine industry, clusters with the uh, supply chain chains of, of, of the industries. Um, if we could actually integrate these industries with the academic world, with the public authorities, with the uh, civil society associations, we might actually start developing an identity which is associated to, to the territories, you see. So we could, we started to speak about impact regions, you see, and impact markets. Now, if, you know, immediately, and perhaps you can actually also share what you, in, what you had in your own conversations of that gathering, is that immediately one thinks of a denomination of origin of products, right? of you know champagne and 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 the, the the parma the parmigiano cheese or 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 the different products in italy and also france perhaps what we started to think about how can we create the standards the measurements and and the features of concrete impact markets or impact territories and uh, that's where i think we are uh, with with that with, you know with that now complementary group of of you know of diverse players on both sides, but with the intuition that there is something really deep to go forward together. Yeah, I think you set the scene uh, brilliantly there, Pedro. Uh, I, and I also just want to pick up on something before we go into a couple of working definitions of. Um, protected impact denomination and a couple of these tools that we're starting to develop and the language that we're starting to develop to help us navigate this terrain. But you talked about that circular economy at the local level and the global level and the way of creating what I interpret to be those reciprocal relationships rather than extractive relationships that tend to be linear. Um, but it, it reminds me a, a lot of the ideas that come up when working with First Nations elders and culture carriers here in in Melbourne, but also in different parts of the world, it seems to be that their language patterns, literally this kind of idea, one of the phrases is caring for country and care for country and country cares for us and country being an, a quite an encompassing holistic concept of of place, of life, of community, of culture, of trade, all of these things. But it seems to be that in the some of the, the Western world and certainly in business education, we've, we've almost designed our language and our thinking along these linear systems. And so we're having, having to retrain ourselves with the, these patterns. So I just wanted to acknowledge that and, and draw that uh, connection as it is one of those cultural things that um, it seems to be coming where as culture carriers and, and we work with a number of um, people as part of um, the region that we're connected to, the Boomerang people, as their knowledge, as their elders, as their culture carriers start to come up, so too 
uh, do those ideas around circularity, which are, are secular, they are universal, but it seems to be that they're helping to, to guide us. So, yeah, yeah, feel free if you'd like to. Yeah. Sorry, you know, in French, you have the, you know, fromage de pays, you know, the cheese from the, from the country. It doesn't mean it's from France, it's from the concrete locality, it's that specific region. But um, going back to the, uh, you know, the, 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 well, the, I would say the indigenous knowledge, um, you also have the same happening in in, Latin, in South America, at least. You, you, you see that uh, the, the knowledge goes beyond, you know, national borders and national identities. You see the, the, the I don't know, the, I don't know if it's known in Australia, but uh, basically the, the, the Koja uh, population is partly in Bolivia, partly in Chile, Argentina, and also in Peru. And, um, and they have no borders. They have no national borders. They all have this mindset of, for example, asking uh, before they start a project, they ask the community what the community feels about that project. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm speaking about commercial projects. And of course, you know, they, they have all kinds of rituals to assure that waste, waste or whatever is a surplus goes back into the earth. In terms of you know, if you pick up some, if you if you actually extract something from the earth, you must be sure that that goes back into the earth, and that's something which is you know all you know all over the region. This is part of the mindset. So, yeah, that 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 really resonates, and that and it links so so directly to a recent conversation, a project that we were working with, and regeneration projects acting as a a bridge between. A particular First Nations group and a, a state government uh, authority, and um, the elder brought up exactly that. It's like we've 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 created this culture of extracting and taking away, but we've also got to create a culture of putting back into into place. So that feels like a perfect bridge into some of these ideas that we're working on. So that one of them is this idea of protected impact to nomination of origin. So Pedro, you gave the example of um, the way that specific food products, cheeses, wines, for instance, in, in Italy and France and um, in, uh, in Latin America and different places all around the world, they've started to develop these um, protect, protecting the DNA, the integrity of their, their products as part of their brand. I mean, a classic example that many people would be familiar with is champagne and the way that that region held on to the brand and the name champagne and that it, it meant that other regions had to develop, you know, their own language or to use more generic phrases like sparkling wine. But if we apply that same principle to impact trade products and services, it, it kind of asks the questions, what could that look like? How could we create a classification system that recognises the unique ecological, socio-cultural and economic provenance of the region where a product comes from um, or a service comes from and also recognizes the triple bottom line impacts of that business's operations of their product and services to their region of where it comes from but also to the region of, um, uh, of where it's traded so if for example a, a business that is based in Melbourne it may sit ecologically within the Birrung or the Yarra River uh, catchment. It may, you know, in the Western sense, sit within the state of Victoria's Melbourne metropolitan area. It might be a B Corp. It might, and then it's an, amended those bylaws so that it has that commitment to all stakeholders and measuring impacts. It also might be a 1% for the planet member. So it's coming from a distinct place. It has a distinct approach to impact and then can we harness those unique approaches like what we're exploring between melbourne and mendoza between regions and and what kind of platforms and systems can we enable so these are conversations that i think pedro may have even started when you and i first crossed paths even going back you know over 12 months ago now but um, if we take ourselves back into that round table at the end of 
last year where we were sitting in that circle what did you what are some of the things that you noticed if you know if we if we do a, a bit of a recap on the the people who were in that space you had um, Sebastian from um, Bodega Legade, you had Andrea from Reciclag, which is the, the tech um, uh, waste uh, company you were just talking about, Marcella from Balos, um, Federico from the government of Mendoza, Rafael, of course, who's one of our collaborators in this work, but unfortunately is unable to join us, but he runs an organization called Quinto Impacto, which is specifically focused on uh, impact through tech. Um, Pedro, what what did you see in those conversations? And I guess, what are some of the lessons that came through for you? Yeah, at the same time, perhaps, you know, we, we had a, a match for those players, market players, in fact, uh, on the Melbourne side. So, so we also had, you know, the same kind of not the same kind of players, but you had business, you had public authorities, you had uh, academics, you had, <clears throat> sorry, um, I think you had civil society, but you had the mix, right? Totally, what totally. yeah. We So we, just to recap there, we had uh, Megan from the city of Melbourne, um, focused on business development uh, internationally. We had Jesse from the city of Melbourne. Corinne from the Yarra Riverkeeper Association, Kai from Regen Melbourne, which is looking at donut economics. And then of course, Geordie and Julia from Great Wrap who are making biodegradable cling wrap and they were in that waste conversation as well. Yes. So if one observes what's happening, you know, why the why they said, yes, we want to be part of that conversation and why did we enjoy the conversation and we wanted to pursue you know, continuing the same conversation, but also trying to find, you know, the next level, right, of how to develop uh, a concept, a narrative, a language. Um, let me just share, you know, what I would see at the end of the road, if, if we would have to, to, you know, measure this, this, I don't know, this initiative as successful. I would see two basically two regional trademarks rather than just you know a, a product trademark or a company trademark but a regional trademark uh, a region that is associated in, in globally or region-wide as a region that actually collectively with the different market players and those who affect the rules of the game of the, those markets and those who actually uh, train people who, who later on in the universities who later on become part of the companies. Uh, they all somehow start developing uh, the logic of solving some kind of social or environmental or cultural need, right? While, you know, actually developing economic value. So it's integrated value creation, and and but at the same time, you know, you start seeing that uh, we have the regions with the trade promotion regions actually presenting the region, and not only the I would say the sums of industries, the the the, the numbers of industries, but also the the and the, and the their products and services, but also the combination of what happens in terms of solutions. Like for example, we're lowering, we're decarbonizing this much. Um, universities are, you know, normal standard students from universities are graduating as so, so many students are graduating uh, as, you know, impact managers, business managers. Uh, um, the, 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 trade agencies having you know special strategies and and policies for uh exporting and importing uh impact uh, goods um at the same time you have the you know the mayor of melbourne or the mayor of, of mendoza having a, you know political campaigns with the impact economy and very very concrete solutions and regeneration and reduction of inequality and in, in decarbonization in in whatever but 
in, for example, in, the, in Melbourne, for example, uh, cleanups of oceans. Um, I don't know, uh, just name it. You see, and and you start seeing that the entire market goes in that direction. You see, of course, for that reason, you need you know consumers and local investors to be part of that same process. But once you start having it like a minimum articulation of the different players, then perhaps we find like the minimum standards for the region to be considered an impact region, not only an impact company, you see, or an impact investment, but the entire region. And that of course affects positively to each of its parts. So if say you're, I don't know what company in Melbourne, of course, if Melbourne has already that trademark, international trademark, that will benefit every single specific company, but it will also attract investment and it will also attract you know, knowledge from other parts of the world and, and, and vice versa. You see other parts of the world are, will start seeing the region as an attractive reference for whatever they want to do. So that opens up possibilities for also economic relationships, but also cultural and, and, and academic and, and political relationships with other parts of the world. Now, the whole logic of Melbourne and Mendoza together, because of what they developed previously, is that um, perhaps it's not only for ourselves, it's not only for Mendoza and for the people from Melbourne, but it's together. What can we actually yeah, produce as value for the world. So, so I think that there's like an intuition that if we keep on navigating in that direction, we might, you know, create something interesting for regions to become like impact regions, but also impact markets, you see, and, uh, and perhaps you start finding the hubs, the economic innovation hubs inside each of these regions. You know, integrated by the diversity of players. And by the way, Matt, all players in a society are market players. I mean, there's nobody who should not be a market player. You see, um, just to go away from this logic of, you know, consumption and, you know, sorry, you know, supply and demand, the consumers and the producers, everybody is a market player. It, it's it's only a matter of being aware of that and exercising your your power as a market player, as a consumer, as an investor, a small investor, or a large investor, as a producer, as, as whatever you are, as a regulator. Regulators are market players and governments are key market players as investors and as buyers. So universities are key market players as, you know, basically as, as buyers. And perhaps in some cases, investors, if they do have funds or incubate or whatever, it depends on each university. So if, if one starts thinking about this, you know, going back to the idea of local market, impact market development with a trademark, then we end up in this preliminary concept of a, you know, protected impact uh, region, you see, and uh, very, very relevant for trade. Yeah, I think that distinction that you made, Pedro, between the protected denomination of origin of the product and the protected impact trade region is a is a is a critical uh, one. And I and I think the way that you link the regions to hubs in different places in the world and existing hubs, like this is this is this is not. Uh, in many ways, it's not a new movement. It just feels like a maturing of the movement. Like there's, you know, the cities can't be movement, which is, uh, uh, I guess, exploring the SDGs in particular being uh, led through the, uh, through the Latin American uh, region. You've got the wellbeing economy uh, alliance and you've got all the different hubs that are connected to that. You've got uh, B Corps and the B Corp certifying bodies that are in different hubs. So you've got these existing systems, you've, including donut economics and the way that that is starting to create these communities of people. And in some ways it feels like this protected impact uh, 
uh, impact trade regions or these trademarks that you're talking about is a way of activating those regions and allowing them to work together. So it, it seems like a lot of those regions are at a stage of internally organising and creating cross-sector relationship and, re and Regen Melbourne is a local example of that here. But then the activation or one of the activation mechanisms through trade is to go down the, these, these pathways for classification. And then I guess if we loop back to the Earthshot Prize and its different action areas, then, you know, protecting and restoring nature, cleaning our air, reviving our oceans, fixing our climate and building a waste-free world, which was that entry point for this conversation. They become areas of trade, not just aspects of businesses, corporate responsibility that are somehow attached onto the side. It actually, as you say, it shifts the, the region or the shifts the systems uh, as a whole. I just thought it might be great to, before we start to steer towards next steps and how this, you know, how this conversation is evolving, just to zoom into, if we do look at Mendoza and Melbourne as distinct from other impact cultures and impact regions around the world, such as Israel and in certain parts of Italy and perhaps Copenhagen, um, you know, so many different places around the world. Um, what, what do you notice as some of the unique characteristics of a place like Mendoza and its context within Argentina and other places that you're working with? Because every time I, I check in, you're, you're, in a different, you're in a different place speaking to a different community. But I, I'm curious to know, uh, what do you kind of notice about Mendoza as an impact trade region? Well, uh, to start with, you know, hopefully one day it will become, you know, that category because we still don't have the category, right? Say it's a certification system of the region, right? We, we don't have that. We do have the certification of companies like B Corps and uh, companies of uh, common good economy. Um, but we don't have something associated to concrete regions, right? Um, so, but if I look into Mendoza, it's an island in Argentina. Argentina is, you know, as a nation, um, is not doing very well. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> economically and politically. Now, what you notice in Mendoza are some features. One, that even if you're, uh, you know, in opposing political parties. You find the spaces for politicians to speak to each other. It seems very civilized what you see there. You know, you see them together, which is unique. So, and you see the parliament, the local parliament promoting all the time new uh, democratic mechanisms. So, you know, all kinds of democratic mechanisms. So the institutional development of Mendoza is is progressing rather than you know regressing. It's it's not like um, you know what today everybody is looking into Russia, right? And you can notice you know the difference between a totalitarian system and uh, a democratic system. Now, in in a country like Argentina, you find some provinces in a federal system that are much more inclined to concentrate little political and economic power in few hands, and some other provinces that are inclined to distribute power. That's the case of Mendoza, which has a has a very democratic culture. So that's the first, you know, big feature. And as a result, you have, you know, social capital very well developed. So you have, you know, you have our Mendoza, which is a movement of our cities in Latin America, which was born in Sao Paulo in Brazil, or Mendoza has, I don't know, almost over 50 NGOs and, and civil society, different civil society organizations, you know, working together with common strategies and uh, with the internal elections. So their authorities are very respected and, and, and they have the legitimacy of the internal elections of a network of organizations. Then you also have, you know, a, a, a very 
consolidated, you know, progressive business uh, association, um, which is which is Valos. You mentioned they come from the from the times of you know CSR, but they have evolved in, in into impact, for example. And there you have major companies, you know, you know, starting to measure themselves with the B impact assessment tool, you know, the integrated value creation assessment and impact assessment. And you start finding more and more B Corps. Mendoza is the province with the highest per capita of B Corps in the country. Then you also see that the public university has evolved at its business school and the school of economics has evolved towards uh, the possibility for any students of business administration and management to graduate as an impact business administrator. So it means that the public university is already preparing future professionals for the growing impact business world. You see, and that helps a lot, you know, for Mendoza to compete. So uh, you have the Pro Mendoza, which is the local export promotion agency that has already started with you know workshops and training for exports of course it's to promote exports um and together with the equivalent in chile pro chile they have already started to do you know promote impact uh, uh export import deals you see then they created uh, a well-being hub for economic innovation and there you find the different groups of the very diverse interests. In fact, you have people from truly opposing political parties working together, for example, in the development of, of the evolution of the GDP, you see. So it's like the well-being, um, I would say, indicator, economic indicator. And it's very moving to see, you know, legislators from, you know, completely opposing groups to, to share their pride for their progress, you see. And that hub is also working on the uh, regulations for impact um, procurement, public impact procurement, and which has been adopted <clears throat> by one of the cities. And the province of Mendoza has adopted the SDG procurement regime. Um, so, so you start seeing all of this is happening at the same time. And, and what I'm noticing is like a virtuous circle. Yeah, I would say a virtuous secret of, of it's, it's, a, it's an impact competition. It's like to be more impactful. You see, you, you could be to be even more. And the last, you know, the last big news, which I think took place three weeks ago, was the announcement by all the presidents of the, the eight universities, and these are the public universities, the religious universities, the commercial universities, all of them together, they made an announcement of an agreement which uh, um, basically, um, you know, obliges them to commit them to a 50% reduction of their, their carbon footprint by 2030. Um, the creation of an inter-university, public-private inter-university uh, commission to actually help the adoption of the action plans for all the universities in the different levels of impacts. This is climate impact, right? But, but it's also connected to other environmental, um, yeah, I would say like waste and other environmental needs that Mendoza has. But the, I'm referring particularly to the, to the climate commitments because, well, because this is what everybody is, is very much concerned globally. So, and, and you have a monitoring system, um, an auditing system and a public participation system of the universities. So, and of course the universities are also calling to the other, the other players of society. So personally, I'm sure this, the combination of the hub and the, the, the agreement of the, all the universities will have a, a very powerful impact on the different municipalities of the province.
And of course, Mendoza is an inspiration case for other regions, not only in Argentina, but for example, it has inspired Uruguay as a country. And Uruguay, in Uruguay, you can see the emerging developments of a, of a coalition of all kinds of market players, including the, you know, the UN, the local representation of the UN system, then the IDB, which is the Inter-American Development Bank, then there's a South American Development Bank. Um, well, you have different, and then you have, you know, international agencies, cooperation agencies, the local, and, and, and you start seeing how the different movements of the new economies, the economy of the common good, the human economy, the uh, from Uruguay, international, they all together started to develop a very concrete draft. And the draft, the drafting process is an ongoing agreement process of the different uh, parties that are joining in. So, so this is what I see the, the power of a concrete case that creates, you know, triggers other processes. Like for example, the University of Mendoza is, you know, the, 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 what they've done with uh, business administration training has, is now inspiring Uruguay, the National Public University of Uruguay and, and some private universities as well. So, and they're also creating their own economic innovation hub. So, so you know, one group inspires others and uh, I'm sure the impact trade uh, initiative will inspire very many at the global level. And the power of having Melbourne, Australia, Mendoza, South America together is very symbolic. It's very, very, very symbolic because it's normally, normally it's not that way. Normally it's Mendoza with Uruguay, Melbourne with Auckland or wherever in, in, in Australia to actually intermingle the regions and decide that we want to create value for the world is, you know, crossing all kinds of boundaries, symbolic boundaries and of course geographic boundaries. Yeah, it's a it's such a vivid and, and rich picture that you paint, uh, Pedro. And and I think, you know, just as an example that you you gave there in the university um, in Mendoza, being able to offer that kind of impact MBA um is a you know it's a pretty amazing prospect and certainly no it's not an mba it's for all students all oh, right it's, okay then you, you start having the mbas as well this is for just okay. the standard business baseline okay yeah. brilliant yeah that's where you get to the thousands brilliant and and so and you know that i mean that that's even that's even greater and i i guess it, it's little things like that then if you know if we if we bring ourselves into, you know, you talked about climate a lot, and I'm just thinking about Melbourne and going back a number of years where, you know, Regeneration Project started and I was, uh, the seed was kind of when I was at the climate strikes and I was seeing the faces of these young people and, you know, they were angry, they were, they were frustrated and they still are. And, and unfortunately, a lot of them have become disengaged, but I think, the more that we create these pathways and the more that we start to shift the culture, they will feel like, one, they don't need to compromise their values to fit into a system that doesn't, in their eyes, doesn't work for them, but actually that it creates new opportunities, that it creates new collaborative and competitive advantages for regions and that they can be proud of their regions and the work that they're doing through through business, but all all, all kinds of um, uh, forms of engaging in society, but that yeah we we culturally shift and and we uh, adopt I guess if we circle back to some of that indigenous wisdom that that caring for country or caring for our place and the way that 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 our place is able to care for us we start to realign ourselves with our regions and I think that's a really exciting thing that we're laying foundations here for those young ones uh, to be able to come through. And, you know, for me personally, being able to look at my, my nephews and nieces and to know that, you know, in time we can build up, you know, the foundations for what they will grow into. I think that, you know, it resonates so much. Yeah. And I think, you know, those cultural shifts have like a two-way 
uh, process. You have, you know, behavior that goes into the system and system means, you know, law means practices, means measurement. Well, it means, uh, you know, different stakeholders, um, but it can also be the other way around at the same time. It can go through policies, law, you know, that actually help us. It could be through private law. It doesn't need to be always through, you know, public legislation, but it could also be through contracts, you know, uh, amendments to our statutory, you know, uh, uh, our, our statutes or, or, or I don't know, our, uh, you know, business constitutions. And, and so, so one thing, you know, what we can always think of is that there, at least I can see five, you know, shifts in the DNA of any organization uh, or, or, or instruments. One is that you elevate the, you know, the organization, just like business to uh, common good, you know, something that can be maturely, uh, expressed and measured. Um, of course, you also have a lot that you don't measure, and what, and that's beautiful. But at least one needs to, you know, promote, you know, very concrete, material expression of what it means that my company, my concrete international agreement or trade will mean in terms of, you know, solving some kind of environmental or or social solution reduction of inequality, decarbonization, and, and regeneration for me are the big, big issues, but it can, obviously it can be so, so many other, you know, goods for the world and for the local uh, societies. So one thing is the elevation, and that goes into, you know, the, the, the purpose of, of the deals. You see, the, the, the main purpose of the deals, the purpose of a company, the purpose of a contract, the purpose of a of, of a concrete you know commercial exchange, the purpose of of basically budgets. You see, in most parts of the world, but public budgets have lost the notion of what you know what are the purposes. It's it's basically you know lots of parts of the world. You know you just have the 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 the, the, the different you know items of the budget. And it's to cover the cost of the government, but it's not linked to what solutions that budget will be, you know, be achieving or be, you know, measured against. So, so purpose is, you know, the first element for everything. Then two is basically it's the integrated value creation, not by separation. So it's, you know, it's. The novelty in the market, in the economy, and in business is that you don't need to separate things. So you start integrating all the dimensions. And as far as I know now, you know, the universal accounting system, which is just one bottom line, it's financial. Um, well, it, uh, apparently, I think we'll have something, a good news of having the integrated uh, accounting system. I don't know when, but I see that this is coming along. And once that starts happening, you know, all the economy goes in that direction because there's a direct relationship in, between private, you know, sorry, between microeconomics and macroeconomics. So, so that dynamics will surely go into the macroeconomics and each of its instruments. And also the, the, the probably the design of the, you know, of the administration. How do we have a holistic, integrated administration rather than, you know, by sectors, which are basically known by their level of power. You see how much money has, I don't know, infrastructure, energy infrastructure or, or roads or vis-a-vis -vis environment and vis-a-vis, -vis, you know, indigenous affairs, you see. So, <clears throat> so perhaps, the, the holistic approach will lead us into a different logic of how we design our our businesses and our administration. And um, then you have the, the third element that I find, again, in trade or in business, is that you go from basically a, you know, the economic uh, player power decision-making to the stakeholder uh, leveling, 
So in business, that would be from shareholders or all the stakeholders. And how you level, you know, you level up the participation and the decision making. So that's also something that you can see in business, but you can also start seeing in economic policy making and, and, and through the instruments, very concrete instruments. Then, uh, fourthly, how do we include the long-term needs, you see, of generations which have not born yet? So that's something that you can start seeing in, in, in again, in business and in the different economic instruments, how that's starting to, you know, infiltrate as a dimension. And finally, how you go from local to global, being local, you see, and, and uh, how, how do you actually consider the global needs, you see, in the local decision making and vice versa. Um, so, so these are the five elements I, I can, you know, I personally use as a methodology for trade, for, for any economic instrument evolution, for discussion in general, for business, of course, vehicles have these elements, of course, and that's what I look as a small investor. I look into those, you know, those elements when I, you know, when I participate in a board or, or ask questions. So, yeah, brilliant, Pedro. It's, it's, it's fantastic to be walked through those. And I, and I think it, it, what it does, it allows people to consider how they position themselves in this space and how their organizations can position themselves in this space. Uh, and I think, you know, it, you know, now is the time of adaptation and reorientation as people kind of choose what to hold on to, you know, having navigated the last couple of years of disruption, but also choose what to let go of. So it's a really exciting time. And before we finish, I just wanted to uh, uh, touch on with there's an event coming up in Italy which is in this space and I thought it might be great if you're able to just give a short synopsis of that in case people may be interested in uh, following that or even attending themselves. Sure it would be beautiful on June 12th through 14th in the village of San Sepolcro that's two hours north of Rome in Italy in Umbria it will be a gathering for uh, international impact trade. And uh, this event is organized by basically Citroën International, System B International, and uh, B Corp called Contact, uh, Chilean B Corp, and with the sponsorship of the a, a major uh, natural, I would say natural medicine production laboratory called Aboca. And, um, and and uh, this this event is basically thought for people who are already engaged in international uh, trade, expansion of markets, uh, export imports, uh, but basically it's to you know be part of a, a leadership movement um, because trade needs to evolve. Trade, the kind of trade that we've seen is what has signaled at least partly has signaled, you know, uh, the globalization that we, I think we don't want any longer. And given that more than 50% average uh, of the GDP, of the national GDPs of the countries has some kind of linkage with international trade, we thought that time had already arrived to start gathering people who are with a triple impact lens and uh but that are already into tr international trade so this is not about a conference that one will learn you know the, the book but it's about the gathering where champions of international impact trade gather and champions of international trade who want to you know go in that direction who also want to measure themselves who want to have you know international uh, uh, supply chains which are uh, of impacts might be interested in being there and be part of a community of champions of international impact trade. That's the idea. That's the idea. And hopefully, you know, we can have lots of Australians. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I guess, 
you know, here we are bridging worlds using online, you know, meeting technology, but it, it does remind us of the importance of uh, reconnecting in person. And as you say, building trust and building relationships and, and investing those. And, and I think, you know, you made earlier uh, comments or outside of this conversation around the importance of doing that amidst the instability and uncertainty in the broader world that we we do carry on these conversations that we don't let ourselves get sidetracked um, because, you know, for better or worse, this the decade ahead is, you know, will probably Im involve disruption of various kinds, but it is important that we continue to have these conversations and that we continue to lay that infrastructure uh, for the future. So, muchas gracias, uh, Pedro. Thank you so much um, for sharing this time and space together. And as we, we navigated so much terrain, we talked about, of course, uh, I, I guess that entry point of the earth shots and building a waste-free world, but then we very soon found that it's interconnected to so many other things. We did spotlight the International Impact Trade Roundtable um, between Melbourne and Mendoza in Argentina, and the themes are of water, wine, and waste, which seem to, to bring these two emerging impact trade regions uh, together. But I guess our call is that, and our work now as we go, because we are actively working on this and we are developing infographics and more um, clear descriptions for the classifications. And, and Pedro, you talk about the, tr the trademark type system that we can actually use for products, but the regions that the products come from as part of this next uh, international impact trade movement. So thank you once again, and thank you to our listeners. Please stay tuned for uh, the next series. Are there any closing words, Pedro, before we wrap up? Always available. Always available for human beings throughout the world. And as long as we, you know, we're very honest about, you know, what we really want to do for the world, welcome. Brilliant. Thank you, Pedro. And uh, this has been another step along the Earthshot uh, series for the Voices of Regen podcast. Tune in for the next episode. Many thanks and all the best.